This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Micah Blanc, episode 137. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Blanc. Today on the show is the great Kent Clothier. Biggest probably real estate investing teacher, educator, trainer out there. Has created a variety of fantastic coaching programs, online programs, software to help find cash buyers, software to find motivated sellers. This guy is amazing. He's been around for a long time. His events are huge, are always sold out. And I have him on the show today. And what interests me more than anything else is not so much the tactics, but someone as accomplished as Ken is all about mindset. How do you get your mind right? What's really the secret behind success? Fantastic show. Let's get right into it with Kent Clothier. Here we go. Kent, welcome right to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Dude. This is so fantastic. I'm glad we can do this. I know you're one of the biggest names in real estate investing, so I just can't wait to delve into your story, man. Hey, man, I'm all here. Let's do it. All right. That's awesome. So uh, just tell us before we get into your story, just tell us about your, your business and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I, I got involved in real estate, I guess, December of 2002. So I've been at it for a while now. And I started as many people have. I was basically got out there being a wholesaler, buying, selling, flipping houses, got really good at it. Uh, started using some interesting techniques looking back. Again, that's that other people hadn't used over the years. And so that for one reason or another got at the attention of a lot of people. People started asking me and pulling me to show them how, what I was doing. One thing leads to another before you know it. Uh, both of the businesses started taking off, right? So our wholesaling turned into a really big turnkey operation that now ironically we just celebrated our 5,000th flip um just two weeks ago that my family still owns and operates and runs that business out of memphis tennessee and then i run our education and software business um that again is a result of people just kind of pulling us and tugging at us over the years that now we just celebrated our um, 50,000th student so you know never really got into any of it to do anything except just make a few bucks and and try to pay the bills and one thing leads to another and just kind of organically here we here we stand 15 years later yeah, you know, you started off as an investor, probably making money, right? That's all, all we do. But it had, it has shifted uh, since then. You know, how do you how did you define success ten years ago, and and how do you think you would define success now? It's a really good question. I would say that that ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you know, going all the way back. So I'm 48 now. So looking back, certainly the way I define success in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s has evolved and changed. And yeah, even up until probably 10 years ago, things were still very, very money oriented. I would tell you that I, was, I wasn't chasing money as much as I had been early in my earlier youth. And money wasn't the only thing I cared about, but it was still a driving, certainly a driving factor. And now, as fate would have it, as I have become more mission oriented and more uh, a more evolved entrepreneur, more evolved man, where I certainly understand that I'm here to make impact more than anything else. Uh, ironically, as I started focusing that way, and that's become my driving force, the money side of it has just kind of, this massive windfall has just kind of started, started to coming our way over the last 10 years that, as I just said, we never, we never expected, never were looking to do anything like that. But it's, it's so funny, I say it all the time, that when you chase money, money runs. 
uh, and when you're focused on mission, you attract money. And it's just just true, at least in my lifetime, it's just, just proven to be true. Well, certainly true in, in my case as well. I mean, I think my motivation early on was money and I lost a bunch of it. I think probably a result of it. And when I started moving away from chasing money that was running from me and shifted to, to mission, the money just kind of took care of itself. And, and I've noticed this over and over again. I wonder if you have an explanation for this. It's a very interesting phenomenon, but it, it requires the chicken and egg problem, right? It's like, well, if I don't have the money, how can I focus on mission? I need, I need money to fund my mission. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. And it's easy for us to say, or certainly when, when you're outside looking in, right? It's easy to say once you have figured out the money problem. Once you've, once you've gotten through the tactical part of it and you figure out that making money is not an, it does not have to be hard, that is a very straightforward, simple process. There, is a, there are formulas to do this, um, whether it's in multifamily, single family, or, or any other businesses out there, that it is all math. It is, it is very, once you understand a process and you just repeat the process over and over and over, then the money problem, again, kind of solves itself. Now, I know that's, again, for people that are just trying to get to money, that's certainly a step one. It was step one for you. It's step one for me. You have to solve that problem first. But what you quickly, at least what I figured out, is that that, that is not very fulfilling. And that it's, that it's great, it serves its purpose, but that can only get you so far. You can do more of it and you can make a lot more money, but if there's nothing in the end that is extremely fulfilling out of it. Now, what, what became, I had two pretty big events in my life. One, my mentor and, and uncle passed away and he was a massive driving force in my life. He was a CEO of a massive company and had tens of millions of dollars sitting in the bank. And I watched as he passed away very suddenly. And when he, when he passed away, I was, I was in the room with him holding his hand and a very young man. He was only 61. Um, and I watched as he, as he wrote a message out to me on this erasable dry race board telling me that he only wished he had more time. And that, that, that had a profound effect on me. Um, because here I knew a man that, that I had admired my entire life and had, he had sacrificed his family and everything to build this amazing life. Um, basically that he was trying to get to where he was constantly telling himself, well, I'm doing this so that I can, I, when I retire, I'm going to do this. And when I retire, I'm going to do this. And when, that was, that was this thing, right? And then all of a sudden he was retired. And within a year of being retired, suddenly he was sitting on his deathbed and quite literally dying, just saying, I wish I had more time. And the, all the money and all the things he had put off were suddenly unattainable. The money wasn't going to buy that for him. And that really, really changed the way I viewed money because I, I looked at it very, very differently after that, where I was, began to realize that, man, this, I have a very limited amount of time here. And I want to have as, a, as much impact as I possibly can on my kids, on my family, on the people that follow me, on, on our subscribers, my business, our employees, our associates, our customers, everybody. I want to make sure that they know that they matter to me. And so what about if I just focus my attention on that and trying to really help them in any way, shape or form, you know, whatever that looks like, just making sure that when I walk out of here, there's no, no stone left unturned. And again, as I, what I think the phenomenon really, what I, what I, back to your question, what I think happens, at least in my case, is that in a world that is just so cynical and so full of mediocrity that when somebody puts the stake in the ground and says, this is what I stand for and this is what I'm trying to do, it just looks so uncommon and it just looks very, very attractive. And so suddenly people are like, well, wow, I don't know what that is. 
but I really want to be a part of it. And that all of a sudden, that's where that flood of now new business starts coming to you because, and again, I say it a lot in, the, in an ocean of mediocrity, it's not hard to stand out. And the easiest way to stand out is just stand for something. <laughs> just say, this is, I just, I'm just not going to do it, do it any th- that way anymore. So you're still working hard. You were working hard before then. It's, it's not, it's not how you're how, so much that you're working hard or less so much. It's, it's, it appears that your focus now has shifted from counting the money to trying to make an impact. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Suddenly giving the business, giving, you know, all of it a purpose and a heart, right? And a heartbeat. And suddenly where, you know, again, that evolution of deciding that, man, this is this real, the transaction is not the thing. It's the client. It's the relationship. It's the impact. It's sitting down in front of somebody and showing them that, that, that they can actually accomplish what they had only dreamed of up to this point, right? And giving them the tools and the processes to make that real, to make that, that a tangible, real thing for them. When that what became the mission, when that became the purpose. And again, whether it doesn't really matter whether it's my kids or it's my family or it's our employees or our clients, there's this common thread. You know, I'm just trying to make sure that I open you up to what this can really be, right? That you don't, you need to be out there collecting moments. You don't need to be out there just collecting a bunch of crap, right? Use this, take this. And um, yeah, that's, that's what happened is when you start doing that, I'm still working as hard as I've ever worked and still loving every second of it. But now you are attracting the business to you versus having to go and try to talk somebody into doing business with you. It appears on the surface that this is a sequential series of events. There's a success first and then significance later. And I'm wondering for the average person who doesn't feel they're very successful, they don't have the money thing figured out yet. Does that, do you think that that prevents someone from living a life of significance right now? Does it have to be a certain amount of success that has to come first? Well, I if think- you're looking back at your own life, go wind it back to 2002. You know, what would have been different about your experience had you from the start made it about the mission? Well, I think, again, I can only speak to my own experience. And I can tell you that, you know, when I'm speaking in front of our, of, of our students and I'm talking to, the, to our crowd and our, what I'm, I'm definitely trying to help people understand the lessons that I've learned through the school of hard knocks, right? I don't want you to have to go through the very, very challenging times that I went through, almost going bankrupt, losing every dollar I've ever paid, right? Like you said, investing millions of dollars and having it all go down the drain. Those are, those are, those are easy words to say at this point, but I can tell you the, the actual time and moments associated with them are not easy. There's nothing about it is easy. And so, yeah, I think that uh, there's a big part of me that doesn't want people to have to go through those things. But to your point, I think that it's really hard to appreciate the light without going through some of the dark unfortunately. And so everybody's got to go down their own journey and getting, becoming successful. A lot of times what I've seen is people, they have that pivotal moment, that shift, that kind of, I have no options kind of moment. And, you know, I've seen it time and time again, when people have their back up against the wall and quite literally failure is not the option, that there's only one direction to go. They have, you know, we've all heard the same burn their boats, if you will. Uh, we can't go that direction. We got to go this direction. When that happens, it's pretty shocking what, what, what people are capable of doing. I think that anytime somebody is playing with one foot in and one foot out, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. There's just no way that, at least in my experience, it's very, very difficult to, to have success if you are, if you're not all in, right? And I know that's really scary. And I know that's stuff that, that people are very, you know, they're trying to hedge their bets and do all what they can. But, the, the, you know, what we do and what we teach, and I know you do the same, is 
We're trying to get people comfortable to a place where they can go all in and get to a place where they can achieve the kind of success they want. But you know, it's, that's really, really, really challenging to do if your back isn't up against the wall or if you're not putting yourself mentally in a place where the mentality is I'm up against the wall and I have to do what I have to do. I'm a fascinated. I study people who are, seem to be or who are successful and other people who simply just are not. And I find a lot of it has to do with the underlying motivation. Uh, you can somehow call your why. And I find that the, the more meaningful or the higher the mission is, the more compelled people feel to actually, the more successful they become because it's bigger than them. If it's just about money, if it's just about money, I, the, the success rate from what I've seen is very, very low because it's not enough of a, a, a quota, a mission. I know that for, for myself, when I first started out, it was, it was all about the money. And once I shifted from, uh, because of my losses in the restaurant business, uh, I p- apparently had a very high attachment to, to my money, which then was essentially taken away from me. And once I realized that I couldn't control that anymore and I shifted my mission, all of a sudden things just kind of flowed naturally. I also, you talk about the burning of the boats thing. I find that people, even people who spent $25,000 for a coaching program still are not committed to the point you'd think they would be after making that investment because their their current right. life ain't so bad. Can you talk about what you think is uh, the differences of people who are really super successful versus people who never get out of the gates? Um, any kind of observations there that uh, we can use? Well, I think that you just nailed it, right? And I, and, you know, I, I couldn't have said it any better. The why and the purpose is so uh, intricate to what to what takes place here. I can also tell you that along those same lines, what's going on up here is the game. This this is never about how much you know. I will take ignorance on fire every day over knowledge on ice. I have seen so many overeducated, broke people in my time, and so many, quite frankly, just complete morons that have made millions of dollars. So this is not about knowledge. This is not about learning more. This is this is about motivation. This is about what is going on in between your ears. And are you in a place mentally where you're willing to go and commit to your point as far as, it, as it's going to require? Because you know, I heard Tony Robbins make a comment, people severely underestimate what they can accomplish in a year and completely overestimate what they should expect to accomplish in 30 days. And no, there's never been a truer statement spoken, right? People walk into this business like a lottery ticket winner, like somehow they're going to scratch it off and suddenly it's just going to start raining money. And that's just not true. If they were going to go open up a, you know, a restaurant franchise or a subway or whatever the case, they would never walk in with that kind of expectation. They would literally say, this is a business and I have to treat it as a business. And they have these very clear goals that they're trying to do. And so why people come into this particular industry with just not a good, clear understanding of what the expectations should be is beyond me. But with all that being said, it absolutely is a mental game. It is, the requirement is, is that you have to be so completely committed that you know, failure is inevitable, for lack of better ways of saying it. Falling down is inevitable is probably a better way to say it. And that none of those moments, none of those things can define you in any way, shape, or form. What will define you is the moment you don't get up. Then finally, so it is, it is not, it's when you just approach it that way that I simply will never quit. It is never. It will never be about whether or not I'm going to put everything I've got into it every single day to make this come true because my why is so big. My family, my dreams, my life is so big. I have no chance uh, at, a, at a do-over here, right? We say it in here. This ain't practice, right? You're in the game right now. And 
With that kind of attitude, it's really, really hard to keep that person from being successful. It's really hard to keep that person down. On the contrary, the, the skeptic, the, the pessimist, the person that walks in just believing from the very beginning that, eh, this might be right for me, it might, might not be, eh, I'm gonna try it, we'll see what happens. That person, I can virtually guarantee you, will never succeed. And so it isn't about the knowledge, it's just about the drive. You know, there's so many things you could be doing with yourself, Kent, you know, all the way from you know, sitting on a beach to you know, doing whatever. What makes you get out of bed every morning? I mean, what gets you really jazzed up? That's a, I mean, that's, what gets me jazzed up is my why. And my why is very simple for me. I mentally, every day, I have two conversations with myself pretty much every day. And the very first conversation that I'll, I'll share with you is that I ask myself, you know, it's inevitable. At some point, I'm going to pass. And I know that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a morbid thought, but it's literally what I think about. At some point, I'm going to pass. And is somebody going to get on an airplane and fly out here to San Diego and walk up to my two young daughters and shake their hands and just say, your dad mattered. Your dad went so far out of his way to have an impact in my life that I felt compelled enough to come over here and, and, and be here. And it doesn't take long for me to do what's necessary when I have that thought. And then the second thought I have every day is um, anytime I'm up against the wall, because if you're an entrepreneur and you're not pushing, then I can tell you you're just not trying hard enough. And so I'm constantly pushing and I'm constantly pushing our companies, our organizations, our teams to levels that they just even a year ago, they didn't think was achievable. And here we are, it's the new norm. And so I, on, on repeat in my brain is when I come up against those moments where I'm really questioning what we're doing, I, I simply tell myself, this is where my competition will quit. And that is always just enough to jar me. So back to what I was saying a second ago, it's the mental game, right? This, uh, when you train this to have conversations, I believe, like that, to where it, it's just constantly pushing, right? To your point, I could be doing anything with my life. Um, but th- I've chosen this because I really, really believe that um, I'm here to do amazing things and my competition, if they were in a similar space, would stop. Hmm. And so therefore, I just won't. Well, I can sense a, a, a really sense of urgency from you. It maybe came from the death of your, of your uncle. Uh, where you say, I only have so much time to, to make the greatest impact uh, that I can. Now, there's the cynics who will say, well, well, well can't, when is enough enough? Uh, good isn't good when great is expected. There is no enough. Um, I can tell you that my wife and I and my kids go on a vacation every month. I can tell you um, I live 500 feet from my office. I live directly on the ocean. Uh, quality of life for me is at the top of the stack. So if I was sacrificing my, my personal life for this, then I would tell you I've already learned that lesson very, very young, and that'll never happen again. But I, I have a created uh, and very proud of what we've been able to create, my wife and I, a, a lot of balance. And so again, I live directly on the ocean in my dream house. I walk to my office or I skate more to my office every day. I'm 48 years old and yes, I skate more to my office every day. Uh, I have sold my car. I live in a beach community where I walk. I've lived here for six years. Everything I want is within walking distance here. I walk my daughters to school every day. I come and get them every day from and bring them back. Uh, like I said, my wife and I go on a vacation uh, once a month and we do the same with our, our daughters. So I believe that if you're in the business of creating moments and collecting moments and creating impact, 
and that is the same in business and in personal, then there is there, there never is enough. Period. And it just is what it is. And, and so I don't think there's any, I don't, there, if, if there was a massive sacrifice going on, I think it's probably the underlying question. Anybody that would make those comments, that would be the, well, yeah, does he ever see his kids, ever see his wife? Um, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Again, I made all of those mistakes. I'm very fortunate. I made all those mistakes in my first business. I built a really, really big company in the arbitrage business. I was doing almost $2 billion a year by the time I was 30. And I'll be the very first to admit that I did all of that at the expense of my family. And thought it, I wore it as a badge of honor. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I got to the office at five o'clock in the morning and didn't leave at 10 o'clock at night, right? Nobody was going to beat me in. Nobody was going to be, you know, nobody was going to beat me out. And that was a massive mistake, right? That, no, let me back up. It wasn't a massive mistake. I, I learned, it was a massive lesson. I really learned what, what, how to create that balance out of that. How did you how did you learn that lesson? What happened for you to kind of wake up and go, oh my gosh, that was maybe not the best thing I could have done? From 17 until 30, I, I had spent every waking moment building a business, right? And uh, you don't build a $1.8 billion a year company and go do it and not be not make a lot of money. So I was, I was making an enormous amount of money. Um, and all of my friends that I graduated high school in turn had all gone off to college and now they were all working for me. So another one of those things, I kind of wore of a badge of honor that, yeah, you went and did your thing, but now get who, who worked for who now, right? And so all of that success was all because of me. All you had to do was ask me. I was that guy, right? I was just the ultimate, you know, you know, guy that you was extremely cocky because I had been so successful. And as fate would have it on March 14th of 2000, I had a run in my company had been purchased by a much larger competitor who moved me from Memphis, Tennessee to Boca Raton, Florida. So I've been down there running the much larger organization for several years. And uh, the owner of the company and I had a, had a squabble. It was nothing. It could have easily just been, had been over in five minutes, but I was so cocky and so full of crap and 30 years old. Um, and that I made it into a really big deal in about four seconds. And said, I'm out. See you. Goodbye. And gave him my resignation right then. And threw, the, threw that company into massive turmoil and decided that, all right, well, now I was going to go and take advantage of that. And I, that I immediately started trying to pirate their employees, pirate their customers, go, go build my new company you know, in a zero-sum game. I'm going to win and therefore you must lose. And that was just a huge, huge, massive uh, lesson for me because none of that worked out the way I wanted. Um, they sued me. I ended up effectively losing everything I'd ever worked for millions and millions and millions of dollars, burned every relationship, all goodwill, burned everything on the way down. And in 22 months, I was completely wiped out. I was done. And that brings you right up to December of 2002 because that's exactly when I turned to real estate and went to one of those real estate seminars. And what do you know? That could change my life forever. Um, so it was a massive learning lesson to put so much effort and time and energy into building something and believe that it was going to be my life forever and do it all at the expense of my family and friends and relationships and just go so hard at it. And then to realize that it could all disappear, virtually vanish in a matter of months or weeks was a massive, uh, humbling lesson for me. And going all the way down as far as I went, because I went from being a rock star in an industry to being nothing. And that was extreme. That was excruciating. That was a very, very painful experience for me. And it really taught me that, man, if I could lose everything to this degree, this fast, 
if I ever get the chance to build it all over again, it will be on my terms the right way and I'll never sacrifice my family for it. And so, you know, I started old, old lessons kind of die hard. And so as I started building the business, of course, I'm putting all my effort and energy into it again. And after about the second or third year in the real estate business, I realized what, that I was in danger of making the mistake again. My young daughter was getting ready to be born. My first daughter was getting ready to be born. And I realized that the business owned me. I didn't have any way of taking off. I hadn't actually built a business. I had built a cash generating machine that required my input on an hourly basis. Uh, and so I started really getting very, very serious about automating, systematizing, managing processes, getting people in place. I really became a, a student of, of scale, how to, how to put it all in place to where it no longer revolved around me so I could focus on my family. And again, you know, kind of as fate would have it, that all those things seem to fall into place. And, and, you know, here we stand. Um, we've learned those lessons and teach those lessons now. You know, as entrepreneurs, the, the temptation is always to work more because we know that if we do more, we can, well, we can accomplish more. Uh, and the same thing is true if you have a W-2 job as well. I think finding that balance is always very, 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 very difficult. I think particularly in an entrepreneur when you're working for yourself and coming to realization, I did the same thing when I was house flipping, very successful, but man, that business owned me. So I got rid of my W-2 job only to create myself my own rat race. Yep. And instead of scaling like you did, I just decided to get out and, and switch to multifamily, which inherently had a lot more passive things in it. And, but you were then, once you realized that you were very intentional about systemizing it, it can you talk a little bit more about what kind of like the, the key factor was for you to be able to, to get out of extract yourself out of whatever you're doing? This is no matter where you're on as an entrepreneur, it could be a mindset thing, or maybe it's a particular tactic that you employ. It could be a people thing. What was it uh, that, how were you able to achieve or architect a life that you consider more fulfilling, more balanced? What, what, what did you do? Well, again, my experience before, I had already built a company from the time I was 17 until the time I was 30, right? So I, I clearly went into it very differently than probably most people because I had seen the value of people. I'd seen the value of processes. I'd seen the value of technology. I just had lost sight of it. And, and, and I had a lot of help in the grocery industry and, and was being plugged into a lot of those things versus having to create them from the ground up. And so I knew the value. I didn't have to be sold on it. I think a lot of people have to be sold on it today, right? To your point, they know the value. If I put time in, I get X amount of dollars out. What they, the message a lot of them hear is that nobody's going to want, you know, nobody's going to do as good a job as me or nobody's going to, I, you know, I'm going to have to actually take my foot off the gas and slow down and train somebody. And all of those things get to be true, but they, but the opposite gets to be true as well. That, that investment in time, effort, and energy gets to come back to you over and over and over. The return on that investment is almost infinite at some point once you get good people and good systems around you. And so I didn't have to be convinced of, that I needed to do it. So the message in my head was just a little different in that I just needed to do it. I knew the value of it. I just needed to get people around me that could help me implement. And so first hire was the assistant. Second hire was basically a transaction coordinator. Then it was acquisitions and then it's dispositions and kind of walked down this whole formula. And I was documenting those things for my own, for my own sake so that we could make sure that we were building the team. And those, those documents became kind of the, 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 foundation, if you will, of how we started training other people. One of the things that we did that was that I think is really, really important is that certainly, and I, and I believe this about every business, um, but a lot of times we get so close to the business that we can't see the forest for the trees. In other words, if, if you've ever hired a management consultant or somebody and they come in and they look at your business and they basically say, hey, what are you doing? Right? 
get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of this. And when you look at it, this is basically right. This is the exact same advice I would have given me. <laughs> the problem is, why didn't I take my own advice? I know this, right? You're too close. You're too close. And so um, I think that, that if, if that's true of me, and I, I'm, I'm sure there's been times when it's true of you as well, then it's certainly true of, of other people that don't have our experience and our wisdom. And, and so one of the things that we have really tried to employ here is really keeping it simple. Keep it very straightforward. This business, you know, we find a lot of elegant, elegance in the simplicity of it. Um, we teach a method called reverse wholesaling where we go off and find the buyers for properties first. We interview those buyers. We get basically build this profile. We know exactly what they want, where they want to buy it, everything. And we direct all of our efforts on creating that opportunity. And that's all we do, right? And we could make it a lot more complicated than that. But that is a, you know, we've just made the argument that we have no problems being McDonald's, right? McDonald's provides the exact same hamburger everywhere in the world, but they're just one of the most valuable companies in the world. And so we really try to standardize and make this very, very straightforward, very simple and find a lot of elegance in that simplicity. And that for us has just been a really yeah. winning formula. I'm rereading uh, the book by Vern Harnish called Scaling Up. And he has this thing, a reference from Jim Collins called a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? The BHAG. And a couple of that with Grant Cardone's yeah. 10X, right? You're supposed to essentially create a goal or a mission that's so big that it really kind of scares you uh, and makes you uncomfortable. What, what kind of scares you or makes you uncomfortable when you kind of look ahead at your mission? Um, well, our big, I'll tell you, our big, hairy, audacious goal is we just launched a new company called Cribs that we plan to be the most disruptive force in all of real estate, where we are going, we're going directly toe-to-toe with Opendoor and OfferPad and many of the other companies out there that are trying to solve this big problem and just get a lot of the inefficiencies out of the real estate space. It's one of the last few frontiers that hasn't effectively been taken online or in any way to automated fashion where a home buyer and home seller can effectively conduct a transaction um, in a, in a seamless way, right? There's always these big moving parts where you got to involve the realtors and title companies and escrow and all these other things. And so to solve that problem, we believe is, you know, the biggest idea that we have ever set out for. And we've been working on it now for 18 months and just launched our platform. And, and I can tell you that I, I believe with everything inside me that we have solved it and that we will continue to evolve in that solution. But that is, a, that is something that really, really scares us. We have millions of dollars invested in this. We have a lot of, um, a lot of man hours invested in this, and we know it's a goal that probably, if I was going to guess, there might even be billions of dollars being spent right now to solve. Right, we're going up toe to toe with the biggest and the best in the world. But like I said, if you're not, if you're going to be a bear. You might as well be a grizzly bear. Let's go Let's fight, right? <laughs> grizzly bear. <laughs> I love it. You know, you've you've built so many things uh, over over time. You built software and training programs. It's just a really amazing what you've done in a short amount of time. It comes to that, that sense of urgency that, that you now have. I mean, how can people connect with you, Kent? You know, probably the easiest way is, is go to kentclothier.com, sign up for our newsletter, become part of our mailing list. We send out, share a lot of free information, videos, uh, courses, all that kind of good stuff. You want to look me up on Facebook, I'm not hard to find there. Or even on Instagram, just it's Kent Clothier. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Just connect with me. We, we, uh, we, we take a lot of pride in making sure that of the community that we have built that is taken care of. So I'd love to have you know anybody and everybody. We'd love to share with you. That's awesome. So everybody check out KenClothier.com. Ken, it was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure, brother. I think there's a lot 
to think about in this episode here, in particular around the motivation of whatever you do. And a lot of times I just observe that everything is financially driven, it's money driven, because we're essentially trying to solve a financial problem, which is how do I get myself out of the rat race? How do I generate passive income? And that's not bad. Uh, that's not bad. But I also find that if the purpose is higher than that, the chances of success are much higher than that. So it could be, it could involve something like, uh, for example, your family, or you're trying to take care of uh, elderly parents, for example, or you're trying to volunteer more, or whatever the case may be, it's, it's got to be bigger than just you. And I, I just find that the bigger the mission, the bigger the impact and the success comes out of that. And I observed that in my own way. I, I was chasing money for a long time, you know, with all good purpose, which is to take care of my family. But really, it was all financial driven. I didn't have any mission behind my restaurant business. It was purely financial. And I think there's a flaw, inherently flaw. And I observed in other people I interviewed, Damien Lupo, a, a good long while ago, and he had a similar experience, made tons of money, lost it all because his mind, his heart wasn't in the right place. And I think when you, the lesson here is really think about your mission. Yes, think about your financial goals. You have to be goal-driven, but really, is there a larger purpose behind behind all that? Really get clear about that. I think the clearer you can get around your purpose and your mission, the, the more the success that you'll have as well. So anyway, I hope you found that useful, really trying to get your being correct. Uh, we've had that on the show before. I think Robert Kiyosaki tells about the be do have. We talked about that. This is yet another example about that. So really, I used to think it was a lot of hooey and uh, really didn't focus on it as much. But I really do, just in my own experience, when I shifted my focus from money to the mission, which is to help people become financially free with real estate, uh, things not only became clearer, but the money started coming. Even though I wasn't focusing on it, I was focused on mission. And that's why, you know, I wrote this book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. That's really what motivated that. And uh, and I, I think it, it changes things and, and it, things become easier and, and success kind of comes uh, comes automatically. So it's very interesting that Ken had a very similar experience when he was chasing money. He was successful for a time, but then it was all it was taken it was taken away from him because he hadn't learned the lesson about impact and, and mission. And sometimes you have to go through a traumatic experience in life, like his uncle passing away. But is it really necessary? Do we have to have a loved one pass away? Do we need to have a heart attack or some other life event that rattles our cage and wakes us up? Can't we learn from other people who have learned from those experiences, do we have to go through the trauma ourselves? And the answer is sometimes. But I think I observe that wise people who are developing wisdom, who are reflecting and observing, sometimes don't have to go through those because they already learned that lesson without having to experience it. Others have to go through the experience. So think about that a little bit. Is there anything that you can do now without having to uh, experience a traumatic event to really wake you up? and and clarify what's important to you in life. So hope you found that useful. Um, what we're going to start doing here over the next uh, few months, three or four months or so, we're going to do some live training webinars, okay? Something that uh, we have not really done very much at all. And people have said, hey, why don't we do some uh, some more live training? So we're going to set up a series here. Uh, the first one is uh, is going to be about raising money. It's called uh, How to Raise $100,000 in 30 Days. So I'm going to teach on this on how to raise money, the mechanics of raising money, the sample deal package, how to put it together and then actually how to use it, how to find the investors, how to engage them, what should be the outcome, and essentially how do you have money raised before you actually put a deal under contract. So we're going to do that. Just go to themichaelblank.com forward slash live, forward slash live. And every month we're going to have a new live webinar. 
and uh, we'll do another one on analyzing deals, making offers, um, and we'll develop these and keep you posted as we go along. So the, the michaelblank.com forward slash live to get the next webinar. If you're hearing this after this particular one goes live, uh, we'll post the most current live schedule at michaelblank.com forward slash live. All right, guys, appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for your time on this show and catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.